You are listening to a Victory Alabang podcast. How can we live our lives in absolute purity? Find out in this message by Pastor Aryan Marquez. Advisory. This podcast contains mature subject matter. Please exercise discretion when listening around children. What's the three-letter word again we're talking about? God, right. God. <laughs> we're talking about God's view and perspective on sex. So uh, uh, today we're looking at this particular topic and we're going to be looking at this word purity. Everybody say purity. How many of you feel that you are pure before the Lord? No, it's not because of our work. It's because of the blood of Jesus. Now, how many of you are pure because of Jesus' work on the cross? Amen. Praise God. And, you know, come on, give the Lord a praise for that. Give the Lord a hand. And, uh, you know, we are uh, really looking at this particular topic. I know that we are somehow seeing that in our culture, uh, our society has gone so uh, perverse. You know, there's so much perversion happening, not just in the Western culture, but even here in our own backyard, our own home, so to speak. Um, you know, this is not much different from the time that when the Apostle Paul was ministering and writing a letter to the uh, church in Corinth. And uh, if you are... If you can remember, we talked about that a few weeks ago, that the Church of Corinth was actually a very immoral city. Um, you know, they treat sex as if it's just part of the daily physical activity for, you know, a normal human being, and that there's no level of or morality in that city. And fast forward it now in the 21st century, we somehow uh, sadly see the same thing happening in our, in our nation. In fact, according to uh, a 2013 survey, we talked about this a few weeks ago, that according to that survey, one out of three young people from the age of 15 to 24 have actually engaged already in premarital sex uh, before they get married. In other words, if you are a student and you have a class of 30, it means that 10 out of 30 students or classmates that you have have already gone through premarital sex. And, uh, you know, somehow I believe that the two-thirds is actually attending our church here in Victory. <laughs> yeah. But somehow, yeah, this is very alarming. This stats is so alarming because this is not even taken outside the Philippines. This is not a statistics from the U.S. or from Europe or from Africa. This is right here in our nation. In fact, there's one particular... Uh, professor or dean of UP, and he's actually, uh, I think, in charge of the reproductive health, uh, you know, uh, department of that particular campus, uh, by the name of Michael Tan. And what he said was the sad reality was he noticed. I think it was last year's uh, survey or statistic that 1.4 million women that are teenagers from the age of 15 to 19 are actually uh, in teenage pregnancies right now. And he mentioned that these are merely teens or kids making kids. And, um, you know, these are really just uh, young people. And that's the sad reality of where we are right now. But today we're going to be looking at purity. And I believe that there is hope for our nation. Amen. There is hope for our culture. And really, when, when you talk about the pervasiveness of sex or the pervasiveness of sexual immorality in a culture, 
It is because of the effect of sin. But if you go back in history, sex as a word or as a thing that was given to us was actually good. It was a gift of God. And, you know, sex or sexual immorality did not come after the fall. In fact, sex came before the fall. Sex was a gift for Adam and Eve. And, you know, last week we talked about marriage and we talked about that uh, in the garden in Genesis chapter 2, verse 25, both the man and the woman were naked and they felt no shame. Right? Now, of course, if you go around the mall and if you're naked, you should be ashamed of yourself today. Okay? You don't do that. But during that time, uh, in the garden, when sin was not yet present uh, in man, sex was actually an enjoyable thing between the husband and the wife. And sex should only be confined in the covenant of marriage. And, you know, it is a gift definitely, but it's only allowed or confined, confined in the covenant of marriage. Now, just for us, as we end this series, our objective is that we will all have a biblical understanding of this thing called sex. I understand that, uh, you know, as we deal with, you know, like I'm estimating about 1,200 people here seated, in as much as we are more than 1,000, there are probably 1,000 different views of sex. And, you know, we talked about that two weeks ago, that some people probably look at sex as disgusting or dirty or, you know, very religious. uh, And some actually view sex as something that hurt them, very traumatic. Uh, Maybe growing up, you've been molested or maybe somebody wronged you in this particular area. Other people view sex as an idol or as a god. But the Bible says that sex definitely is a gift from God. God was the one who gave this thing for man to enjoy in the confines of marriage. I'd like to invite everyone to stand. We're going to be reading from, uh, as we end this series, we're going to be reading from 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 from 1 to 8. And I'd like to invite everyone with all your beautiful voices to read the scriptures in unison. Uh, We will be reading eight verses uh, this uh, evening. Are you ready? Okay, ready? One, two, three, in unison. Verse one. Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to please God just as you are doing, that you do so more and more. For you know what instructions we gave you through the Lord Jesus. For this is the will of God, your sanctification, that you abstain from sexual immorality. That each of you know how to control his own body in holiness and honor. Not in the passion of lust like the Gentiles who do not know God. That no one transgress and wrong his brother in this matter because the Lord is an avenger in all these things as we told you beforehand and solemnly warn you. For God has not called us for impurity but in holiness. Therefore, whoever disregards this disregards not man but God who gives his Holy Spirit to you. Let's bow our heads and pray. Father, thank you so much for this afternoon. We ask that you would anoint the preaching of your word. I submit myself to you, Holy Spirit. And I pray God that every word I would speak today would uh, shed light 
in this subject. Lord, uh, open up our hearts to receive what the Spirit of God is saying to us as a church. I thank you, Lord, that we will not leave this place condemned or burdened with all these things. But Lord, the Bible says, where the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom and liberty. And Lord, I just declare right now that there will be freedom, there will be liberty, there will be transformation of lives, there will be changed mindsets, all for your glory. We honor you today. We thank you, Lord God, that you have called us as a people, as your sons and daughters, to live pure and holy, to ultimately give you praise and honor. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You may all be seated. Make sure you smile at the person beside you. All right. I believe there's really an ongoing battle right now for sexual purity. And, you know, that is what we're born for. That is your destiny. And you may have a dark past. We may have a dark past. But I believe that God ultimately has called us all to be pure and holy as a people of God. And you may not see that, you know, somehow, parang, you know, when you talk about holiness, you know, you're probably thinking, holy? Yeah, that's for full-time ministry, or maybe that's for pastors, or maybe that's for the clergy. But how many of you know that when you talk about holiness and purity, that's for the church? Amen. And how many of you are part of the church? Please raise your hand. That means that all of us are called to purity and holiness. Amen. That not just the pastors, not just Pastor Ariel or Pastor Sonny or Pastor Jonathan or Pastor Carlo or Edre or whoever that you know, Pastor Steve Merlos, an apostle. It's not just for them, but the call to holiness and purity is for us. Look at your neighbor right now and tell that person, you are called to be holy. Totoo ba yon? Yan. By the grace of God, Amen. By the grace of God, we are holy. And I'm not here to, you know, basically put yokes and burdens and rules and do's and don'ts. Because how many of you know that you will never win the battle of purity with do's and don'ts? Never. You can actually come out here and make a New Year's resolution again and again. I will lessen my time in the internet, particularly in pornography. I will not allow myself to be lured and be tempted by my girl, who's, by my girlfriend who's always wearing skimpy clothes. You know, I, you know, you, you may actually write all these things. You know, I will read my Bible more. I will pray more. I will fast more. I will attend more. You know, victory weekends. You know, two victory weekends is not enough. You know, you can actually write all these things. If it's a, it's a if it's a measure of writing do's and don'ts, will always lose this battle. But it's not about a battle of do's and don'ts. It's about a battle for passion. It's about a battle of what changes us and what drives us and what captivates us. What fills your heart? What makes you happy? What are you longing for right now? That is the battle that I'm talking about. Earlier this morning in the Akasha service, I was approached by this young man and after preaching this message, she basically asked me, So, Pastor, what's the boundaries? What's the boundaries that I should put between me and my girlfriend? Is holding your hand, is holding her hand bad? You know, can you, can you help me? I said to him, You know what? I'm not here to tell you what to do. I'm not here to put a, you know, a definition of how you are to treat 
your girlfriend, you know, whether you should hold her hand or maybe you should not or to hug her or to kiss her or kiss her maybe uh, just 30 PSI and not, 20, you know, 50 PSI, you know, lessen the pressure because more pressure means more lust. You know, how can I determine that? No one can determine that. Amen. But, you know, I, I said to him, instead of me saying you, because ultimately all of us will be tempted. All of us will be tempted. You know, if you're, for example, if you are engaged or, you know, if you, are, you have a boyfriend or a girlfriend and if you hold your hand or hold their, not to hold your hand, hold their hand, okay? Weird naman yun eh. I'm holding my hand. <laughs> Happy Valentine's to me, you know. <laughs> hold their hand, okay? Because I clearly remember when we got engaged, me and my then-girlfriend, Shirley, first time I held her hand, I felt 10,000 volts running through my veins. I said, what? There's so much there. And if we are not careful, the next question is, how much is enough? Should I move on from the hand to the elbow? Because after a while, holding her hand will not produce the 10,000 volts anymore. But holding the elbow will. You know, after a while, the elbow will not produce that much voltage, but the shoulder will. After the shoulder will, where will you go? The hair. And so on and so forth. I said, I'm not here to put boundaries, but basically the question that you need to ask every time you deal with your girlfriend is, will this act honor God? I'm not here to put a boundary or maybe a do's and don'ts to you, but is that thing that you're doing, will it honor God? Will holding her in public honor God? Maybe. Will doing that in private honor God? Will moving your hand from the hand to the other parts of the body honor God? I ask him that. Will you do the same thing if you were in front of her parents? Will you do that if you have a sister to your own sister? Because you want to dishonor her by doing that. So basically, we're not here to, to make rules and to, you know, we're not pharisaical in a sense that, you know, anything beyond this line is sin. As long as you hold her by the pinky, that's fine. <laughs> Just enough voltage is fine. Because we'll always lose the battle if we're conscious about what's acceptable and what's not. Remember, we have a common enemy. The devil is like a roaring lion seeking whom he may devour. He is an ancient foe. He knows the psyche of man. He knows our weakness. He studied you even before you were born. He knows our struggles. But we don't fight that battle in that level. We fight the battle on a higher plane. Amen. We fight the battle because it's the Holy Spirit fighting the battle for us. It's not by might, not by power, but by the Spirit of God, says the Lord. Amen. Come on now. It's always difficult to fight in the ring with Satan in his own terms. That's his territory. I dare not fight Mayweather right now in this size with this lack of training. I dare not fight. But I can call my Manny Pacquiao 
and fight this guy to the ring, toe-to-toe, head-to-head, hand-to-hand. Because there is a champion that is fighting our battles for us. Amen? And his name is Jesus. That is how we win the fight. We don't fight according to the enemy's terms. And so this fight for purity can be achieved. I believe this is, yes, it's hard, but it's not impossible. Amen. It is a hard fight, yes. We're going against the flow, yes. We're going against culture. It's counterculture, yes. We're going upstream, yes. But it's not us doing it. It's the Spirit of God propelling us forward. So I have here three things. Why purity? What's the reason why, why we need to live a life that is pure? Because one, it pleases God. Everybody say, it pleases God. It pleases God. Living a pure life bling, brings pleasure and a smile to the face of God. Amen. You know, I long to see God smiling at us because, simply because we come here today and worship Him, right? How many of you know that God is smiling at us when we came here today as we worshiped Him? The Bible says, you know, God inhabits the praises of His people. As we lift up His name, he, it, put, it puts a smile on His face. Another thing that puts a smile on His face is when you live a pure and holy life. It pleases God. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, verse 1, we read this verse earlier. It says, Finally then, brothers, we ask and urge you in the Lord Jesus that as you receive from us how you ought to walk and to what? To please God just as you are doing. That you do so, what? More and more. In fact, this letter, the tone of the letter of the Apostle Paul to the Thessalonians is a bit different from the tone of the letter in the Corinthians. When he was writing in the Corinthians, to the Corinthians, he was actually rebuking the Corinthians. You know, you got to expel that immoral brother. You got to stop your immorality. You got to do that. You know, it was more like, guys, you know, you are the church. And you got to get rid of immorality. But for the Thessalonians, the Apostle Paul was basically commending them somehow. And what he's saying is, how you ought to walk to please God, just as you are what? Doing. What he's saying is, guys, you're walking it. We started our spiritual walk in the Lord. We got saved by faith. How many of you are saved by faith, not by good works? Amen. How many of you are going to heaven by faith? That when we leave this earth, we're going straight to heaven. Amen. Heaven express. That's by faith. Pastor, how can you prove that? It's by faith in the Word of God. God promised that by faith. For we are saved not by works, but by through faith. But this is not of ourselves, so that no man can boast. It is not, not what we've done. And how we walk here on earth is also by faith. We get saved by faith. We walk our life here on earth by faith as well. Amen. We don't start by faith and proceed with good works. No, we start with faith. We proceed with faith. We end in faith. We were justified in faith. We are being sanctified and changed by the Holy Spirit in faith. And we will be glorified in the future when we meet Jesus face to face in faith. That's why I believe that, yes, if you look at this particular thing called holiness and purity, it will be hard if we do it by the flesh. It will be difficult if we do things by the flesh, because it cannot be done or fought by the flesh. Verse 6 of 1 Thessalonians chapter 1, this uh, church was commended, and you became imitators of us and of the Lord, so that you became an what? An example 
to all the believers in Macedonia and in Achaia, right? In the Achaia, okay? In Achaia, they are an example. They're imitators of God. They're walking in the Lord. So my question is, is it possible for man, for Christians to live in this life, living a pure and holy life? The answer is a resounding yes. Everybody say yes. Look at the person beside you and tell that person, yes. And tell that person, you can do it by the grace of God. Amen. Not by our strength, but by His grace. Yesterday was the wedding of Yeng and Yan. Yeng Yan. Yeng Constantino finally got married to uh, Yan Asuncion. Both of them members of our church. Yang was a mem- is a member actually of our Victory Church in Green Hills. Yan is a member of our church in QC. Yan is actually a composer. His name is Victor Asuncion. You probably saw his uh, name as we sing the, the, the songs Faithful and Radical Love and all the other stuff. And they got engaged and they made a commitment that we will get married and we will save our virginity until we get married on February 14th, Saturday. That was yesterday in Tagaytay. And this is what they said, or what Yang said. Ito talaga ang clear intention namin. No to it, or no to premarital sex. And what she said was, kasi we want to honor our parents, and we want to honor God. Gusto namin na yung relationship namin, di na build din namin yung friendship, Yang said. Ultimately, when the pastor, when Pastor Larry Uy said, you may now kiss the bride, that was the first time that Yang and Yan kissed each other on the lips. As they said, as the pastor said, you may now kiss the bride. How many of you know that that is an honoring marriage and wedding unto the Lord? Amen. It pleases God. Amen. How did you feel when you heard about that kind of a wedding? Wow, sana ako din. Right? Why is that? Because purity and holiness is attractive to us. We're made that way. The strand of your being, because you have been made in the image of God, you're longing to live a pure and holy life. You're longing to have the same kind of experience. You're longing to have a situation where you can actually tell your, your future fiancé and to say to him or to her, you know, we're going to commit ourselves to living a life that is pure, to honor God. And the first time we're going to kiss is when the pastor says, you may now kiss the bride. Hindi yung, you may now kiss the bride again. Because you did it already. And more. But in this case, it can be honoring. One of the greatest NBA players also was uh, A.C. Green, known to be the Iron Man. Back in the 80s, sorry for those of you who are younger, that was my era. I know that now it's LeBron James. But A.C. Green actually is the teammate of uh, Magic Johnson. You probably heard about the story of Magic Johnson. Magic Johnson is very promiscuous. He actually sleeps with a lot of women during his high time in his career, thus contracting a, uh, an STD disease, uh, an HIV. On the contrary, A.C. Green committed himself to purity and virginity when he was a single man, he said, I will never sleep with anyone unless she is my wife. And he said, and he told, because he's a Christian, he said, I'm never going to commit immorality or sex until 
the day I get married. Or I'm not going to have sex until the day I got married. He finally got married at the age of, uh, at the age of uh, 28. Of course, that was many years ago. And from the time that he got married, he enjoyed sex with his wife. But that was a statement. You know, it can be done. He was a celebrity as well. So many women are actually throwing themselves to him, but he'd always say no. Sometimes politely, sometimes probably he would run away from them. But there's always a way out every time we are in temptation. Amen. And I believe that God gives us a way of escape every time, God, uh, every time the devil tempts us. God is pleased and honored when we do the act of sex in the covenant of marriage. Only in the covenant of marriage is it allowed. Purity pleases God. You know, I was reminded as I was, preaching, uh, as I was preparing for this preaching about this story of the time in Israel in Numbers chapter 25. And you can just take note of this. In Numbers chapter 25, Israel committed basically immorality before the Lord by, you know, with, with the Moabite uh, nation because their men were committing immorality with the Moabite women and thus they led them to idolatry or idol worship. And God said to Moses to purge the immorality from within the camp. And about 24,000 people died because of a plague that was sent by God to purge because of immorality, because of idolatry. And what happened was there was one particular man who was an Israelite man. In the midst of all this wailing and weeping and grieving, he had the audacity to take a Midianite woman in his own tent and commit immorality with her while all this thing is happening in the nation of Israel. And this is what happened. In verse 7 of chapter 25, when Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, saw it, he was a young man, he rose and left the congregation and took a spear in his hand. Have you ever wondered what he did with the spear? Did he dance with the spear? This is what he did with the spear, verse 8. And went after the man of Israel into the chamber and pierced both of them. The man of Israel and the woman through her belly. Right there. Kind of like a barbecue stick. Thus the plague on the people of Israel was stopped. Can you imagine? The only thing that stopped the anger and the plague of God was for a young man, a young priest, thrusting the spear Towards, you know, between this, uh, through these two people because they were committing the act of immorality. In verse 9, it says, Nevertheless, those who died by the plague were 24,000 that day. And the Lord said to Moses, Phinehas, the son of Eleazar, son of Aaron the priest, has turned back my wrath from the people of Israel, in that he was what? Jealous with my jealousy. Among them, so that I did not consume the people of Israel in my jealousy. This was a young priest, a young man who was so zealous for the honor of God, and he said, This will not happen in the nation of Israel. Thus, he used his spear to stop that. You know, we're not talking about you taking a spear right now and going to the motels here in Metro Manila and start thrusting people. You know, that's not the application, guys. 
It says here, therefore say, behold, I give him my covenant of peace. Can you, can you understand that? God was actually telling Moses, I give this man Phineas my covenant of peace after killing. <laughs> God declared, you are a man of peace. Wow. It was not because of the act. It was because of the heart. The heart of Phineas that was so filled with jealousy for the house and the honor for the name of God. He was so passionate. He won the battle of passion, thus purging the nation of Israel and sparing the nation of Israel for further destruction. And in verse 13, God even blessed him, and it shall be to him and to his descendants after him the covenant of a perpetual priesthood, because he was jealous for his God and made atonement for the people of Israel. What drives us? What makes us angry? What consumes us? Have we allowed these things, immorality, to come into our own homes? You know, sometimes you don't even have to invite prostitutes in your own house. They come in through your bedrooms, through the computer, through the internet websites that people open. And nobody sees that. But God sees that. Are we that zealous and jealous for the honor of the name of God like Phineas? Are we willing to take a spear and plunge anything that will actually come in between us and the Lord? Pornography. Sexual immorality. Maybe a relationship that you have with your girlfriend or your boyfriend that is leading you apart or away from the Lord. Is there enough righteous indignation, and anger. That when God sees, I like this guy, I like this girl, they have a heart for me, and I will bless them with an everlasting blessing. God is pleased and attracted with a heart of purity. Second reason why purity is because it is God's will. Everybody say, it is God's will. It is God's will for you and me to be pure. If you're asking for the will of God, the will of God is to be pure and holy before Him. In verse 4 and in verse 3, it says, This is the will of God, your sanctification. That is, what is that? That you abstain from sexual immorality. That is God's will. Some people come to the pastors and say, Pastor, what is the will of God for me? That's the will of God. That you abstain from sexual immorality. Pastor, do I go for this girl? You know, I have been praying for this girl. That you abstain from sexual immorality. Pastor, I'm in the middle of a decision between these two, uh, these two you know, guapo guys in my office. You know, I couldn't decide whether it's John or whether it's Paul or Ringo or, you know, there's just so many cute guys that you abstain from sexual immorality. What is the will of God for our life? That we abstain from sexual immorality. Maybe your marriage is going down south and you're actually now in agreement that it's time for us to separate and live separate lives. And maybe you can find your own girl and I can find my own man. That you abstain from sexual 
immorality. What is the will of God? Maybe the will of God, pastor, is for us to separate already. We'll just separate our conjugal property. We'll separate the children. You know, he can take the upper half. I can take the bottom half. You know, you know sometimes the most you know, hurt people in the family, many times, it's the children. Is it God's will? What's the will of God in that particular case? That you abstain from sexual immorality. Guys, it is not me saying this. This is the word of God. I'm merely a messenger of God's word. I am not mad, by the way. I love you. But I love you enough to tell you the truth. The Bible says, an enemy multiplies kisses. But I would rather tell you the truth in love. And here we are, we're talking about this, and this is actually the end of this big series, a very controversial series, and ultimately it all points to this. God is calling His people to live pure and holy. No more, no less. Is it easy? Nope. Definitely very hard. By the grace of God, we can overcome. Amen? It's all by the grace of God. Sexual purity ultimately is the will of God. God calls us, you and I, to be pure. According to study findings, couples who waited till marriage to have sex had the following advantages. Okay? So even if you are engaged, you're not yet married. Wait till you say, I do. It says 22% of the higher relationship stability, 20% have higher relationship satisfaction, 15% say that they have better sex, higher sexual quality of the relationship, and 12% have better, communica- 12% better communication. If you wait till you get married, there are blessings and benefits of that. I was pastoring one, uh, before in Galleria and before the mall was constructed, we used to meet in Galleria Suites, the hotel in the ballroom. And one particular Sunday after the preaching, a couple approached me and basically told me, Pastor, we just got married in our hearts. And I was staring at them and I said, "Uh, what did you say? And they were all smiling and they were just, oh, Pastor, we're so excited. We got married in our hearts. In fact, yesterday was our honeymoon. We just came down from the room. I said, what did you say? I wanted to get a spear. (laughs) But since there's no spear available, I said, you are not married. You can never get married in your heart. Because the institution of marriage is a public institution. It's a public declaration between two people before a minister, before God, before their families, before witnesses, declaring that they will love each other and be in covenant with one another till death do them part. And unless you present a ring and you're willing to sign this certificate that you will commit yourself to this woman, you cannot be married in your heart. They actually saw their, I don't want to call it stupidity, but I guess I did. Okay? And they broke down in tears and they repented and said, Pastor, pray for us. We did. A, we committed a, 
a, a foolish mistake by celebrating and going ahead of God. And so I prayed for them. And I asked the Lord to be merciful to them. And they did what was right. And they actually got married the right way. And ultimately, they got married in the church. And they're now celebrating married life together. What I'm saying is this. We can never do shortcuts with the things that are of God. Amen. God has set specific standards. And guess what? As far as my Bible is concerned, the the standard that God set was not lowered down. In fact, Jesus said, somebody was asking him, how do we fare to this? Is it like the Pharisees that we will live? No. Simply lang, don't be like the Pharisees. Be perfect. As my heavenly Father is perfect. Jesus was saying, don't copy the Pharisee's standard. Copy my standard, which is perfection. How many of you know that? How many of you are perfect? Can you please raise your hand? Anybody here perfect? There's nobody perfect, right? But someone who was perfect went to the cross and purchased us for himself and made for himself a people who is now supposed to be holy and pure, living for God and to honor him. Amen? And his name is Jesus. Come on, give the Lord praise. He has not, and he will not lower his standards. It is the will of God that we avoid sexual immorality. I'm not just talking to the single people here. In fact, I remember a story of this young, of a a preacher. He was preaching in a campus service. And a young man stood up because he was preaching about, you know, living lives pure and holy. You know, same message about, you know, avoiding sexual immorality. And one particular young man in the crowd stood up and he said, You know what? I disagree with you. Are you saying that I cannot have sex with my girlfriend? I love my girlfriend so I can have sex with her because I love her. And you can hear the crowd saying, And the pastor basically asked that young man, Sir, with all due respect, did you have a girlfriend previous to your current girlfriend? And that young man said, yes. Did you have sex with her when you were still with her? And that young man said, yes, because I love her. And then he asked another question. Did you have a girlfriend before that previous girlfriend? Or what the girl? and, and Yes. And did you have sex with that previous girl? And with hesitancy, he said, Yes. And did you have other girlfriends before these other three girlfriends? And did you all have sex with them? And he said, yes. (laughs) And the pastor said, the problem with you is you love everybody. (laughs) And we think that we can actually just use the word love as a key and as a license. So that we can actually slip already with a girl. Ladies, single ladies, don't fall for a guy who would tell you, I love you. (laughs) Go to bed with me. If that guy says, I love you, and asks you another question, if you love me back, you should be willing to come to bed with me. Here's what you should do. Slap that guy in the face. Pack! Smack in the middle. Pack! Like that. 
And after smacking that guy, you tell that guy, I am, I am worthy of being waited for. You should wait for me. Amen? Come on, give the Lord praise. You know, every woman deserves to be waited for. If that guy really loves you, true love will wait. Lust wants it now. Love can wait. And I'd like to move on with our third and final point. God calls us to live a holy life. God calls us to live a holy life. It's, you know, we know this. We've heard this. My question is, do we live it? God calls us to live a holy life. You know, when you talk about holiness, holiness means being set apart. We are different from the world. If you are a Christian, guess what? You are different from your office mates who are not Christians. You may actually have the same ID. You may share the same calling card. You may share the same department. You may have the same uniform. But at the core of it all, you are so different from them because you are holy unto the Lord and you are set apart. And we are called to, to live a holy life. In verse 7 of chapter 4, it says, For God did not call us to be what? Impure, but to live a holy life. Therefore, he who rejects this instruction, this, what we're talking about, whoever rejects this instruction does not reject man. You're not rejecting me. But what? But who? But God who gives you His Holy Spirit. God is the one who gives us His Holy Spirit. He did not give us a happy spirit. He gave us a Holy Spirit. God is not there to make us just happy. God has called us to make us, God has given us a Holy Spirit to make us holy. God wants you to live a holy life. In fact, the Bible says, He who rejects this instruction does not reject man but God. In fact, in the ESV, it says, God is the avenger. You probably read that. We've read that earlier in the verse, verse 5, or in verse 6. God is the avenger. That's why we need to take heed of this instruction. This is an instruction coming from the Lord because sin, though it is ultimately forgivable, how many of you know that sin can be forgiven? Right? How many of you have sinned and received forgiveness from the Lord? We all have. But yet sin has consequences. Sin, many times, will have consequences. I heard of the story of this young woman who was a virgin and, he, and she pledged her life to marrying the, the man of her dreams as a virgin. But she had a boyfriend who was a lot older than her and somehow this boyfriend said, I'm also going to commit my life to being a virgin until we get married. Unfortunately, one particular Friday evening, they went and had you know, a, you know, a, a night out and things became romantic and it led to a steamy time with them and ultimately what happened was they committed sexual immorality. One thing led to the other. They committed the act. They had sex. And a few months later, this young girl went to the doctor because she was feeling something in her genital parts. The doctor actually did a testing and he saw that she contracted a uh, sexually transmitted disease called the human papilloma virus. 
which is actually, I think it, it could lead to cancer. It became so bad, sorry about this graphic description, that the cyst, the cyst actually grew fist size. That they had to operate on her in order to save her life. Some of the tissue from here near her organ was removed. And so the doctor said it will be difficult or virtually impossible for her to have sex with her future husband. That boyfriend was actually not a virgin. They found out that he was older, an older uh, uh, upper-class man, and he was sleeping around with different girls in their college, thus contracting a sexually transmitted disease. And with one act, with one night, transferred that virus into this girl that actually cost her her future. It's a sad story. And, you know, it can be redeemed definitely, but somehow this girl has actually faced a lot of shame and a lot of, you know, condemnation because of one wrong decision that she made. And that might not be your story. And if you are here, and if you are here and you've actually failed God, the good news is that His grace is always sufficient for us. Amen. That may not have happened to you. I believe that it did not happen to us simply because of the grace of God. I stand here not as a perfect person in this area. I had my struggles when I was a younger man. But I believe that the consequences of sin was covered by His grace. What's your story? You know, you may actually come out of a relationship or maybe you are in the middle of a relationship that is not leading you towards God. It's not too late. There is still time to repent. There is still time to change. The Bible says today, if you hear the voice of God, do not harden your heart. And I believe that you have been placed here, moved here, you know, allowed God to be here today to hear this word. Maybe you don't have that problem. But maybe somebody in your department has that problem. Maybe somebody in your family has that problem. Maybe a relative, a loved one will come to you one day and ask for ministry. At least now you know how to minister the truth to them. Ultimately, it's not about a burden or a yoke that God wants to place on His people. The Bible says when the Spirit of the Lord is, there is freedom. He wants to liberate His people. Amen. He wants to set His people free. In the same way that Moses was called by God to set the, Egypt, the Israelites from Egypt free, and time and time again, the next week we see, let my people go. Guess what? God is still saying to the devil, let my children go. I have set them free right now through the blood of Jesus. Amen. And we have been set free simply because of what Jesus Christ did on the cross. Amen. But God is calling us to a life of obedience. It's one thing to be saved and receive the, you know, the, the, the salvation from the Lord. It's one thing to receive the good news that we are not going to hell anymore. I believe that if you are saved by faith, you are going to heaven. The question for us today is, how do we live our lives here on earth? Is it because we're saved going to heaven that we can actually just live our lives you know, whatever way we want it? It is God's will for us to abstain 
from sexual immorality. For God did not call us to be impure, but to live a holy life. Amen. This message can be strong, but I'm saying this out of love. And I believe that God, in His love and compassion, has allowed us to listen to this message right now as a warning. It's not about do's and don'ts. Somehow, when you talk about the power of sin, sin has consequences. And yet, there is a greater power that is available for us. Amen. And that is the power of God to overcome any kind of temptation and sin. Amen. And I want us to come today and actually just say to the Lord, Lord, I know that I have a past. And I'm coming before you right now. Maybe some of you are actually coming to the Lord for healing. Maybe some of you are coming to the Lord for repentance or restoration. Maybe some of you are coming to the Lord. Maybe it's a relationship that you have currently that is not really honorable to the Lord. I want you to put that into the altar of God and say, God, if this is your will, you will resurrect this again, just like you've resurrected Isaac. But what I'm wanting today is that I will live to please you so that I can live a life that is pure and holy before you. For God has not called us to impurity in the Amplified Version, but to consecration, to dedicate ourselves to the most thorough purity. Not just purity, most thorough purity. How many single ladies do we have in this place? Please raise your hand. Maybe some of you are, or many of you are actually praying for marriage in the future. And I am agreeing with you right now. Amen. But have you ever seen a bride walking down the aisle with ketchup on her gown, you know, with smeared makeup all over her face because she just ate a hamburger before the, you know, the start of the wedding? No, you'll never see a bride like that. If the groom would see that bride, he will tell the bride, go back to your chamber and fix yourself up. Guess what? Jesus is coming back for a glorious bride without spot, blemish, or wrinkle. And as the bridegroom, we are the church. He's expecting his church to come before him one day in purity and in holiness, all straight up with a nice gown ready for him to meet the one who saved us. Thorough purity. Is it hard? Yes. But by the grace of God, it can be done. By the grace of God, it can be done. We may go out of this place and we may make a decision. Pastor, starting today, I'm going to make a decision and I'm going to make a vow before God. Vow of purity, yes, praise God, we're going to agree with you. But just in case you fall again, never give up the fight. The Bible says a righteous man falls seven times, but he rises again. Amen. And God is calling us to live a life of victory over this area. God's grace is amazing. And God's grace is always available for us. As I said earlier, how do we maintain our sexual purity? It's not a battle of do's and don'ts, but a battle of passions. What are you passionate about? What are we here for? What are we passionate about? What do we live for? Verse 4 says that each one of you know how to control. Everybody say control. Control his own body in holiness and honor, not in the what? Passion. We see that word. Not in the passion of lust, like the Gentiles who do not know God. The Gentiles are passionate about their lust because 
they do not know God. But how many of you here know the Lord? How many of you are believers? Amen. We know the Lord. We're not to be ruled or mastered by the passion of lust. We're to be mastered by our passion for Jesus. Amen. They are mastered. They're in the blind because they don't know God. They have no recourse but just to obey the flesh and be controlled by their own whims and their urges and their sex drive. But we can actually overcome that because we are on a higher plane. Amen. And we know God and God knows us because we are His. God gives us the ability to overcome these temptations. Verse five, chapter, uh, Ephesians chapter 5, verse 3, But among you there must not even be a hint of sexual immorality or of any kind of impurity or of greed, because these are improper for God's holy people. Not even a hint. That's the standard. Not even a hint. Ladies, help the gentlemen not stumble by wearing what is modest. And you know, as gentlemen, as, as men, we are creatures of sight. We are attracted by sight. That's how our, our psyche is. Men are attracted by sight. Women are attracted by words and emotions and touch. That's why, men, you got to be careful. Okay, in the way you speak to a lady, the moment you say, I love you, and the moment you start touching her, she will fall for that. That shouldn't be a tool because that is not of God unless you want to pursue that woman and eventually marry her. You know, I believe that we can actually set a standard of holiness. We can help one another. Actually, there's a lot more I want to speak, but I, I believe that there's no more time, and I do want to just have a time of ministry for us. Can I ask the music team to join me here on stage? You know, we're talking about the difference between lust and love. Lust, as I said earlier, lust wants everything now but love love can wait love can wait you know love is the consuming absorbing desire for and delight in another person's highest good that is love if I love you my best intention is to honor you and to put your interest ahead of my interest that is love love is not you know, manipulating a person and getting him or her so that I can actually pursue my selfish gain. That is not love. It is a consuming, absorbing desire for and delight in another person's highest good. And guess who gave us the best type of love? God Himself. For God so loved the world that He gave His only begotten Son. It's a consuming kind of love absorbing, desiring for us, His people. And He delights that we have the highest good. The reason why God is calling His people to be holy is not because it's for Him, it's for us. Living a holy life is reflected in our calling as children and people of God. Because we are His, we are part of His family, then we reflect who He is and we reflect His glory. This is my main point and then we're going to be praying. God's will for us is to live lives with absolute purity. Absolute purity. God is calling you and me to live pure and holy lives. We hope you were inspired by that message. Listen to more podcasts from our website at www.victoryalabang.org and in the Victory Alabang app. Thank you and stay connected.